Welcome to the Best of Seven Podcast. I am Ryan Phillips. He is Kyle Coster, my co-host for this, the managing editor of The Big Lead, my boss. We don't talk about that. Uh, we are equals on this podcast, right, Kyle? Yes, it's it's ego, egalitarian. He's not, not an authoritarian uh, system here at The Big Lead. So today our topic is we're going to count down our seven favorite sports video game franchises, the best of all time, the best seven in our opinion. Kyle, I've got to ask first, what was your video game history? Did you start with like an old school Nintendo or an Atari or one of those, or did you get into it later? Like, what is your background with with video games? Sure. I'm right in that fun age where I can remember the really, really beginning nascent cauldron there of like Atari at my grandparents' house and and stuff like that. That was a precursor to Nintendo and going over there and being like, this is a totally weird thing. I remember a game called like pole position was a race Mm -hmm. car game playing stuff. I had pole position and Donkey Kong on, on that system. And then for a while there was, I always wanted a Nintendo, but didn't get one until a Christmas. It actually remains my favorite Christmas present ever. My parents hid it in the cupboard and then brought it out after Christmas was over. And to this day, I've never had a celebration like that. And I'm a father of two. So <laughs> telling you something right there. And then we were a Nintendo family. We graduated to the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64. And then when I got to college, I was kind of a, a leech in college. So I kind of just glommed onto whatever system was in my room or commu- shared rooms, which was usually a, a PlayStation. And then I continued on. I still play a little PlayStation now, uh, but nothing like uh, my young son who has, who has grown to love it every bit as much as I did uh, just at an earlier age. What about you? So we had an Atari that I think my dad got, he was in the Navy, he was a surgeon in the Navy and he uh, took one on a ship. He was uh, deployed on a ship for a while. And so it was just something to do. And then we had that. We lived in Okinawa, Japan for a little bit. And we were actually in Japan when they released Nintendo. So I remember going to somebody's birthday party when I was like five and somebody had it, got a Nintendo. And everyone was like, what is this magical thing? I didn't get one for years, though. And I, I was stuck playing the old Atari with, like you said, pole position and those and those games and everybody else's in those beautiful eight bits on, on Nintendo. So I eventually got a Nintendo. I had a Sega Genesis for a while. And then in college, you know, I had a PlayStation. Then in college, I, I upgraded to another PlayStation and played, we played video games throughout college. And what I think is interesting is we are in the generation where before us, nobody after 30 played video games. I mean, like, you know, in the general population, like hardcore video game people did, but like, video games were such a part of us growing up and such a nostalgic thing for us that I know people in their fifties who, when the kids are in bed, sometimes will be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to play a little FIFA or Madden or whatever, you know? And it's, so it's different because I know my parents can't relate to that at all in any way. And, and the people younger than them can't relate to that. But we were in that era where video games went from being this kind of cool outside thing to being like a massive business. That was a huge part of your life as a kid. And so I think that we have a different perspective on that technology than the people that came before us. And certainly I think the people after us are going to follow in that same suit, especially as games get better and better and, and more lifelike. Yeah. And this element is going to be really germane to our discussion today. Uh, I was only a fan of sports video games. And to this day, I don't have much interest in the shooters or the adventure or any other game that's out there that isn't sports related. Even though I've grown as a person to be more interested in things 
than only sports uh, from when I was a kid. That singular focus of getting on a station, uh, getting on a getting on a console and playing a, a sports game of some sort is just how I view the entire video game experience. I'm not really interested in doing things that don't involve a football field or a hockey rink <laughs> or a basketball court. Yeah, I was big. I mean, I, the only games I would buy were sports games. And then I think in college, I got into Grand Theft Auto because everybody got into Grand Theft Auto. But other than that, I was virtually always sports games. And that's the ones I'd save up my money for and go buy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this ranking uh, the top seven. These don't have to be console games, by the way. They could be an arcade game if that's what you want. But we're going to do the seven top franchises that in our opinion uh, of all time and Kyle I got to start with you what's number seven so number seven on my list is probably going to be a bit of a surprise it's not uh, it's not one of the things that people would think about right away while doing this exercise and for me it's Mario Golf Mario Golf was a 1999 game for Nintendo 64 much like the other Mario games it just featured the characters of that universe competing in sports, kind of like the Mario Party type situation, anything involving that cast of characters, only this time they were out on the links. And what was so great about this game was its simplicity. It was marketed for kids or for people who weren't too interested in golf or had no interest in golf. But this game, you would go out there and it had a great little meter system where you you flicked forward and you flicked back when Mm. it was time to hit In a way, that hasn't changed to the golf game I play now more than 20 years later. So it had a really nice gameplay. The graphics were cartoonish, but that comfortable Mario universe that we were so, it just felt so good to sink into. And the gameplay was really excellent. And that's the most important thing about this particular game is it was advanced. You could slice the ball. You could hook the ball. You could put top spin and backspin. And when you got in the rough or the bunker, it was actually a totally different game. And by that metric, it was a game for the everyday audience, the not sports enthusiast, someone who would never play a golf game because they didn't follow the tour. And at that time, I wasn't doing that. I I may have golfed once in my life at that point, but playing Mario Golf opened my eyes up to the greatness of the game of golf. Like I remember after playing that game was like, I kind of want to go do this for real. And it inspired that interest in my life, which is a crazy thing to say about a Mario game, but it made the game, the actual sport so appealing. I couldn't get to wait to get out there and try it. Yeah. I've played that game a long time ago. It's, It's not on my list. It's not a big part of my gameplay life, but my friend had, I believe it was on super Nintendo. Right. And he had one and he had it and played it. And I do remember thinking like four games at the time, that's pretty realistic. Like, you know, the different elements and all that. And basically all the elements you described were essentially carried over to later golf games in Tiger Woods and the other, you know, more modern games. That is an interesting pick. I'm kind of, I am surprised that made the list. And I think that's interesting. Was it something you played a lot? Yeah, we played it a lot. We didn't have a lot of games. It was like that and Donkey Kong Country, which was on heavy rotation on on 64. Eventually, we would get NFL Blitz, which may or may not be on on our list going forward. But this is the second in a series. There was a NES Open Tournament Golf, which was part of the Mario Golf series. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was very, very basic. I mean, if you remember what golf games were on on the original Nintendo, I actually... 
uh, have a unit downstairs with the uh, Jack Nicholas game. And it looks just like blobs of green, black <laughs> and white and like a little dab of brown for the bunker. I mean, it's very, very rudimentary. But the Mario game that I'm talking about for 64 was absolutely fantastic and just yeah. supportive. Like the difference between uh, the game with uh, Yoshi on, uh, mm-hmm. on N64 compared to like going back and playing uh, the original Mario from like 1984. Yeah, it, I, I think I said Super Nintendo. I meant Nintendo 64 because I think people had that at college when I was a freshman at USC. They had that and uh, GoldenEye were like their two games that they played when they sat around the apartment all day. So uh, that's an interesting addition. My number seven is NBA Jam. And I, I think, you know, looking at this, it could be higher. And, and But my memory of NBA Jam is not on the console. It's going to the arcade, the old school arcade, which those don't really exist anymore, especially not around here. And it had its moment where it was the best game in the world. And it was, I remember the four sticks. And if you played two on two, like against real humans, if, if there were four people, the winners got to stay on for free and keep playing. There was something about the action, the, the guy getting on fire, you know, catching on fire when he hit three shots in a row, all of that. It was just such a classic arcade experience where you could just get really into the game. And I also, it what, another interesting fact is that when I went to Indiana, the journalism school right next to it is the student union is like right behind the journalism school. And so I would in between classes have like a three hour break or something. And I'd go to the union and get lunch and hang out, but they had a mini arcade with like five consoles and, or five of those, you know, stand up consoles. And one of the games was NBA jam. And so if I had extra change from lunch, I just play that. And if you keep winning, you keep playing for hours. So it kind of came back into my life after being there when I was in middle school or something. So I, I loved NBA Jam. I loved the action. I loved the two-on-two nature of it. I, I just thought it was such a fun game to play, especially if you had a bunch of friends together. So we have a first here in uh, Best of Seven history. You've, for your seventh choice, you've selected something that's so high up on my list that I'm considering whether to address it now. But based on the rules of the podcast, which are unflinchingly rigid, I will yes. go ahead and say that... Uh, NBA Jam is number two on my list. I, I don't blame you. I, I I struggled with this list, and I could definitely put it much higher. I had some qualifications in it. The fact that it's kind of disappeared is is kind of why I why I set it lower. But I could easily change if I altered that. It could be number one. Like it's such a it was a seminal game in my video game playing life. Absolutely, and you mentioned the the arcade game where you actually had to go. I remember going to electronics boutique uh, in my local mall and wow, that's a throwback (laughs) playing the game and just loving it. It was like, I didn't want to play anything else in the little arcade there. It was all about this game. And I'll never forget my best friend called me one day after he had taken a trip to the mall. And he said that this game was coming to the home consoles. And I forget what that was at the time, whether that was Super Nintendo. Uh, I think I think that was it. Um, and it just blew our minds. And we circled the date on the calendar like it was the Super Bowl. And we went and got it opening day. And it was everything that the arcade game was on your television at home. It was yeah. absolutely unbelievable. And the, the original graphics of the Midway game were something to behold. Like for the early 90s, they were incredible. It was so yeah. 3D. It was like this other level of, of dimension, literally, 
of a sports game that we hadn't seen before. NBA Jam is a spiritual successor to Arch Rivals, another fantastic arcade game. But what this game had, it distilled a star-driven league into a select group of star-driven rosters. Yep. So you knew everybody on there. And if you didn't, then you were going to find out who Greg Lowhouse was. Are you going to be doing your research on John Starks if you lived in flyover country? It was like these two guys, you're going to find out everything about them. Mitch Richmond and uh, Wayne Tisdale, I believe, were, were paired up on the, the Clippers. You could go on and on. But who was your go-to team? My go-to team? Great question. That was, that was kind of what I was driving to here by being able to play with the p- actual players and learning how every team played differently. You were able to pick what side would, would be most beneficial to you winning. And eventually I settled on the Charlotte Hornets. To me, the Charlotte Hornets are the best team because they have Larry Johnson who can shoot threes. Alonzo Mourning can actually knock down the the three as well out there and they are both strong able and willing defenders and all the way up on dunks so you can play a little bit of everything second choice of course is the golden state warriors with tim hardaway and chris mullen because you could shoot the lights out with both of them so it's a one it's a tough one too but it's definitely charlotte but this was so fun to play this game to get to be the actual players outside of Michael Jordan, of course, but you, we all remember the hidden codes that you could be Mark Trammell or whatever his name was uh, and, and Bill Clinton, uh, yeah. for, I think for the, the Genesis one, but it was just a fantastic game. Perfect gameplay didn't require much skill. You just kind of had to learn how to move on the court and the games were always close. When you played the computer, yeah, they, they, they had that close so yeah you always had it decided over like the last one minute of of action which i believe the quarters were three minutes long and nothing and i swear to god that game went into overtime 35 percent of the game <laughs> it was built in to give you extra basketball yeah my my go-to team in the arcade was scott skiles and shaquille o'neal i mean just because it was fun because you had Shaq who could just dominate but i would always my buddy would always be Shaq, and i would be scott skiles and i'd be the shooter on the outside and it is one of those games that is it stands out in history as just this moment where something was enormous and it had big blinking lights around it it was the beacon of video games at the time and uh everybody has an nba jam story Everybody I know has an NBA Jam story of, of, of how they came to the game or how they played it. So what's your number six? My number six is EA Sports NHL Series. This was debuted in 1991. So it's been around since then. It is better known as just the hockey game. It's the hockey yeah. game that everybody played. And it was never better than... Uh, it was in swingers uh, when they play it before uh, Jerry Ronick going out. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just a classic scene, but it's emblematic of its perfect utility while hanging out with friends. You didn't have to care or like hockey to get into it. It was about learning your guys and it helped you learn the league. Like you knew Mario Lemieux was incredible and, and Yager was on the team too. So it was like the thrill of playing with them the gameplay was fantastic and, and, and simple too. Like you could just, you could deke, you could pass, you could shoot. 
this will be a common theme as we go through my list that games were better back then because they were simpler. And I, I don't play video games to be like blown away by the intricacies. I just like a, you know, a quick little AB action for that, uh, for that one timer. And that's all I really needed. But this game, it grew beautifully over time too, as it, as it elevated up uh, as consoles matured to the point where you'd get the, the 2015 game or about at that point where it was so real, it looked like actual uh, ice out there. The graphics just, you know, it, uh, perhaps poetically because of, because of the ice, like just slid along without a little, a little blip. And, and, and when you look at what they were at the beginning and you look at what they are at now, it's like comparing stunning soil from two different planets, but at the same time, they've brought together a lot of what made the great game so fantastic with what makes new games so alluring to the younger people. Yeah. So I've got, I've got EA sports NHL much higher and it's sort of like you with NBA jam. I I've got it at number two and we'll talk a little bit about, I want to talk, touch a little bit on it when I get there, but NHL 94 may be the best sports game ever. It was such a revolution uh, ahead of everything else. Just the way that the players moved at the, and of course, for the time, you know, you look at now and those graphics look terrible, but at the time, the way that the players moved, the gameplay, everything was as good as anything that had ever been on a sports video game. The slap shot came in in 1994 in the 1994 edition. As you mentioned, the organ music from the actual arenas was played before face-offs. NHL 95, if anything, I mean, and 94 is the one that everyone points to as the revolutionary game. 95 may have surpassed it. You could create players. You could trade them. You could play a full season and track your stats. I will say a few years ago, I, when I was in Milwaukee, I hit my first deep winter there, you know, and first Midwest deep winter in, in Indiana, we're a little Southern, so it doesn't get to the thing where it's minus windshield for days on end. And so there's, you know, I didn't, I wasn't used to that. I didn't realize that people just don't leave their house to do anything during that, which of course it makes sense, but I'd never experienced it. So I walked across to the mall across from my apartment, realizing that I was bored and had done everything there was to do in my apartment and bought an NHL game and brought it home and, and played it. And I hadn't played an NHL game in years. And as you said, the graphics are incredible. The, just the gameplay is unbelievable how advanced it's gotten. And, you know, you can simplify it to certain degrees with sliders and, and, you know, adjustments and things like that. But just as far as the game has come and how beautiful the action is, as somebody who really likes hockey, it is a blast to play and it's, it's held up really well, but I got to say that that NHL 94 might be the best sports game ever. You know, when you compare it with the times, and how far and how revolutionary it was. So that's up to number two on my list. We can touch on it a little bit when we get there because we both have number twos that we've discussed a little bit. And now time to pay the bills. But my number six is Tecmo Bowl slash Tecmo Super Bowl. And I think especially Tecmo Super Bowl was so far ahead of its time. The graphics were so basic. The gameplay was so basic, but it was the first game where you could like play a full season and keep stats and had players names and all that. Except for, you know, like QB bills and uh, I think QB Eagles, but it was a basic eight bit game that was for Nintendo. That was so uncomplicated, but incredibly addictive. And I, I mean, I remember I was in college when people started putting Tecmo, make it so you could play Tecmo Super Bowl online and, and, you know, run it back with Bo Jackson and, and all those guys and, and, 
play it and people were addicted to it. I mean, even years later, I mean, it was decades later and people were addicted to it. So I love Tecmo Super Bowl. I remember when I got it for Christmas and played it endlessly for months. It was just such a huge thing for me as a young sports fan to be able to like, again, track stats and things like that and compare myself to all the other teams in the league and all that. Fantastic choice. Uh, It's number four on my list. It's a very important franchise to me. It is one of the few games I owned for the original Nintendo when it got moved to the basement, which meant like me and my brother playing more, me and my friends playing more, not just simply playing in in the living room with the parents around. So there was a lot of like independent freedom that that game means to me, having my own space and, and playing that the four plays of the original make it. I find it to be the superior product because you actually, you only have four offensive options, right? There's a a 25% chance that they're going to pick your play, which renders it useless. And the entire game is basically learning to have the discipline to take the sack and not throw the sure interception. And you can play for years and years and years, but you still lose your composure when they pick your play. Like nobody ever reacts good to that. It's just heart rate goes up every time. Absolutely. And you make mistakes and it's so funny in it's simplicity of all you got to do is hold on to the football in those games and you win that is kind of like engineered to make people lose their minds. I love the original one's gameplay so much, but the, the second one, you can't say enough about the absurd stats you could put in there. The, the graphics were fantastic. The little interstitials still when the guy's flying through the air, uh, uh-huh. I don't know if he's going to block the kick or not. It's one of the most exciting moments in all of sports, real or video game. And I, I, that when it's, it holds a dear part of my heart too, because when I was a senior in high school, I organized a school wide tournament, super Tecmo tournament at my house. And I would say that more than a hundred people entered, uh, they just descended. Uh, my parents had no idea what was going on, but I, like, I held a big bracket up at school and like the communal place where everybody sat and I just watched it get populated. And I basically had this amazing event on my hands And we set up like four different things, like some out in like my dad's shop and like the shed. I swear people were playing (laughs) outside. It was just a bananas thing of like freshmen. I didn't even know, like getting dropped off at the end of my driveway and like wandering in because you're like, like, I'm not responsible for these people. (laughs) Anyway, it was just bananas. And, uh, and it's like the most exciting video game situation I've ever been a part of because it was like my tournament. And to this day, it was a very dumb thing, but I bet you, if you asked people who went to my high school, it, what they remember about me, that tournament is probably going to be one of the first things that comes to <laughs> mind. That's great. Yeah. I, I just think it was, it was one of those games that it's you looking back on it and you're like, it's so simple, but so entertaining. I don't know. I mean, credit to those creators because what they were working with was not much and they turned it into this classic thing that people still to this day play years later and you know again you go online you google uh i think it's emulator is what they call it when they they work it for the internet and you google that and there's dozens of sites i checked last night i was just curious there's dozens of sites where you can go on and just play a game of tech mobile and it's again with all the other video games that are out there and all the other online things you can do the fact that those still exist is such a credit to the game what's number five for you kyle Number five, if you're sensing a trend, uh, came out before I was 12 and (laughs) had a limited run. 
And that's Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball for Super Nintendo. I am not shocked by this choice at it all. It is my second favorite baseball game of all time. It may have had the coolest feature ever with the thing in the lower corner that showed you the outline of the, of the field in relation to where the ball was that technology, that was the first to ever do that. And I think that that's like such brilliant, that's such a brilliant idea for baseball games. And it, it, to this day, that's how they operate is with a a little icon and a red and a red dot and basically lining those two things up. This game was just fantastic because there was just enough diversity of events and occurrences that could happen in the game that you were able to memorize them all. So there were maybe like 300 different things a ball could do when it was hit, paths and bounces and all that. And if you played the game enough, you would learn exactly which one of those it was, which enabled just some unbelievable defense. I remember you could jump up and, and rob home runs. The only downside I would say about this game, but it actually became something that I, that I grew to like, was they didn't have the actual rosters in there. So yeah. you had the players represented by skill and size and, and, and manners of that, where they hit in the lineup, how good they were, they were with their actual stats used to, uh, to give their ranking. But like the Tigers were named after a bunch of like jazz musicians. I think that I remember this. Somebody yeah. did a deep dive on this game once and explained it all. So they all had like a theme or like a little allusion to stuff like that. And it was just it's so funny that they just, they just made that choice. That was at a time where there weren't these huge corporations that, that overthought it. They're like, oh, we're just going to play some games with the buyer and it'll be fine. They don't care what these, what these guys are named. But so many good times playing this game with my brother. We always played an important rule for baseball games too. I was a firm believer in that you needed to throw strikes. So we would have strike games and we would also have try to strike out games and the strikeout games were more fun because the ball was usually in play more often. So we were kind of like a precursor to some of the solving some of the problems that major league baseball faces today. And then years later, my brother would uh, get me an emulator. Like you said, uh, build a program on the computer and give it to me so I could play this on my laptop. And I still have it today. That's awesome. I have played this game at, at a buddy's house. I never owned it. I did enjoy the reality of it and how different it was than the other current games. A lot of the, you know, games at the time were just kind of guys who all look like Mario playing baseball, you know, I mean, like that was my experience with early baseball games. And so to have it sort of be more realistic, it's, it's a bummer. They didn't continue with that. Cause obviously everybody loved Ken Griffey jr. Too. And, and it's kind of surprising that it didn't continue as long as it did, but I played that game and I loved it. And I mean, really liked it. Didn't end up on my list though. So that's a good, I, I, I like it when we have ones that don't line up. I think that's, that's one of my favorite parts of doing this is hearing your story for something that I didn't pick. Where are we at with you? Number five for me is NBA 2K, that franchise. And I have only played it a couple times, but it is so realistic and immersive. You know, you create, essentially it starts off, you create a player Uh, that you can make it look like you or completely not whatever you want. And then you go through basically a tutorial where you have to make decisions and the decisions, the way you answer questions, the way you choose to do things in his life develops who you are on the court. And then once you get through all of that, it's like a, a, a preamble to the game then you can do so much with your player. You can play, you get drafted or picked up or whatever it is that year, whatever the theme is. And 
you continue to make decisions throughout that impact you. But then once you're in the game, you can either play actual games with your team or you can go in and play people online and things like that and just find pickup games essentially. So it's, it's realistic in the fact that you're playing basketball and you're finding pickup games. A couple of years ago, a buddy of mine was going through a divorce. I convinced him to get the game and put our headsets on. And it was a way for us to like talk and we'd play two on two pickup games with random people from the internet. And it was, it was really a nice experience to be able to sort of like not, it wasn't like having a phone call, but it felt like we were back in my room in San Diego growing up playing video games together again. And uh, I'm not one who plays online really at all. I grew up not playing online, so it's not second nature, but, you know, connecting with a friend and being able to play that game really sort of had to earn a place in my heart. Um, and, and I've really liked it. It's just an immersive game where you get to live out what it's like to be an NBA player. I mean, in a video game version of it. Uh, and it's, it's really a fascinating way they've decided to go in that game. And you've seen it copied by other games with, you know, Madden doing its, you know, thing where you're a college player who gets drafted or, other, you know, other games doing the same thing. Now FIFA has done that. So it's, it's really was kind of groundbreaking in that way. And I, I love the game. I, I haven't bought it in the last couple of years, but I may do that. Such a smart decision they made to allow different entry points in. Uh, yes. What you, if you wanted to play a single game, like these are these things that before games got developed to the point when even we were in like high school, there weren't all these options. So once, no. once the options started to present themselves, they needed to realize it became a project of what options can we give that actually makes sense and improve the game. And what this title did so well was like, find that, right. They're like, People like X, so they will definitely enjoy going on this path where we can also highlight, leave everything for the people who really enjoy it. So I think it's just a, a brilliant way to approach the game because I think that it change, changes how you see the actual gameplay. Like you're more invested in playing a practice game because I think subliminally, you're kind of like, I'm part of this game already. Yeah. So I think it's like smart on so many levels and like almost a dastardly level at that point. But one another thing, it's not on my list. But this game, and when we were talking about the NHL game in, in the past, a, a marker of something that's super fun is how enjoyable it is to be good at it. Yeah. And what I mean, when you're good at this NBA game, it feels awesome. And it's great to dominate because I think that it inspires a lot of like really competitive people more than maybe some other online communities, if you take the averages. And it's just, it's slick and it feels good. And you're doing these amazing things with these amazing players like you are in the, in the hockey where you're kind of like pretending to be them. And I think it just feels so good to be so, to be, to dominate at this game, which also, because it's, you know, taking place on a basketball court, it's, it's conducive to so much trash talk organically. Yep. So I think it's, it's a really, really fun, interesting vibe and, and hang for this game in contrast with some other stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's very much a communal game for sure. I, I think so. Even if you're not sitting in the room with somebody, it's a communal game because you get online and you end up, you know, playing other people. I've got Madden at number four and, and I had the very first Madden game for my computer. My dad brought it home and it had a joystick and like, you know, it was, it was, it was just a weird, 
game and, and had a bunch of old players in it, whatever. But then I, you know, I had it on my Sega. I owned it every year in college. It was the king of sports video games. And to some, in, in some ways it still is. I think NBA 2K is giving it a run for its money now, as far as at least like where it is in the world, like what people talk about. I'm downgrading it a bit. I mean, you could easily put Madden number one, but I'm downgrading a bit because I, I think that my love of the game came through playing the franchise mode and running a franchise and drafting players and signing free agents and picking coaches and all that. And I feel like that, you know, in the last couple of years I played it, it took a step back. And now it's so focused on the online game and so focused on the things you have to, you know, make purchases and all that stuff. And that just doesn't appeal to me as much. I loved franchise mode. That's my home. Like, that's what I want to do. And there's, there's a, there's a game higher on my list where that is essentially a huge part of what the game is, but Madden, you know, I've got it at number four. I think that the history it made and, and it established a lot of different things for video games and is history making, but I just don't know if the gameplay is as good as it used to be. I've heard that complaint from a lot of people and I'm not a Madden guy as much as I am a college football game guy, which you'll see with my next pick coming up. Uh, no need to hold in suspense. I, I did a whole podcast on it not long ago. You know, it was on the list. We will link to that, by the way. It's Thank great. You. Yes, very good. So the Madden, the Madden thing, if we were to sit here and you were going to ask, ask me a big dumb person, like what the most successful sports video game franchise of all time was, I would, my knee jerk reaction would say Madden. Same. In my mind, that's the apex predator of this landscape. And it is the one that everybody thinks of first. It, it held, held like the highest percentage of, of the pie of interest. And, and recently it is kind of odd to see like a lot of that momentum slow down and it's changed the way that we think of Madden, I think in society and its place in culture a little bit, but for so many years, I mean, this was, this was a number one. And um, the day it came out, everybody bought it. Everybody I knew bought it the day it came out. Getting good at Madden was, was doing something that you could be on a television show on ESPN. <laughs> it was, it was a point of pride. It enjoyed such popularity with the actual players to a level. I think that a lot of the games aspired to do earlier, but this is this guy, this one really mastered it. And then going back to like the very, the, the thing about Madden that stands out to me besides seeing the first time I ever saw PlayStation 2 and just not being gobsmacked by the graphics of, of the Madden game and being like, this is not a real game. You're telling me you're not playing with the Baltimore Ravens, right? Like that, that's, <laughs> this is a video game. It was like, it was just like, wow. It was like the first singularity moment maybe. Uh, but Madden, the actual person created this game and he was the caretaker of this game. And you look back at that in, in parcel with his announcing and his coaching. And you start to think about this man may have been the biggest football genius that ever lived. And his biggest legacy is going to be this video game. And no you can, you can argue like that, that video game may be far more influential in the NFL's history and creating new NFL fans than anything he did in the broadcast booth or coaching. Certainly. I mean, you could argue that it's been it is equal, equal importance as the actual games for yeah. some years. Like, I mean, this is the biggest tool that the, the league ever had to make itself cool with younger fans. And that's another reason why for concern if, if interest does wane in years. But Madden's, Madden's a great choice. It just, it was, it was, I, I was never a big NFL person because growing up in Michigan, there's no point in rooting for the Lions and the Lions are like this 
curiosity you put on in the same way as we all watch Tiger King. It just didn't resonate with me because I didn't have a team, and I thought that the games were a little, a little slow and 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 not as open as as the college game, which is the reason why I preferred the college game more than the than the pro team, the pro game in the first place. Yeah, Madden was the only way that I could make the Chargers good, and so that's why I played it so much. And I think also one of my favorite things that I ever did was the year I bought it, the year they moved to LA. And the fir- I took over the franchise, and the first thing I did was announce we were moving to San Diego. And it was a big – and it was – they have this realism thing where, like, people tweet or there are newspaper articles about it, and they're like, why are they doing this to us longtime L.A. fans? You know, and it was, it was pretty hilarious to get to do that. That's the last time I bought Madden, but it was, it was wonderful to do that. So that Madden's number four for me. I, again, think it could be higher. I think it could be lower based on your interpretations. But that was one that, yeah, we played all the time in college just because that was your measuring stick, your video game measuring stick with other people. What's number three for you, Kyle? Well, we alluded to it, or I alluded to it several times in, in the last segment, EA Sports, NCAA football. Um, this game, this game means college to me more than actual college in a way. Uh, and it means just the substitute of what I used to do before there was streaming options on my television to just waste hours. Uh, it was just playing season after season and dynasty mode uh, or starting new ones at the smallest school and going up. And this game has been in my life for, you know, like since 2000, maybe is the first time I, I got it. And it was starting to learn about the business of college football and uh, the tradition by playing this game. And, th- and that, that continued a pace and the game was so good at this so good at making the atmospheres feel like the real atmospheres. It was so good at making the college game feel like the college game. It was just when, you know, I mean, you looked at a, a digital team and USC uniforms and to me, that was still beautiful. And it was like, it was just like, this is unbelievable. This is kind of like a work of art to replicate the college experience. And then the, the fight game- songs, everything. Absolutely. It was, it was transportive. And then you add that to the fact that it had, in my opinion, the best dynasty mode of any game, the ones that I enjoyed playing the most. Um, it, it was just insanely, insanely addictive. And it used to delineate the halfway mark of summer. It used to come out like in June or July 11th or July 12th. And it was like that first half of summer. Then there was the game part of the summer. And it meant like it amped everybody to get, get, get um, excited to go back to college and it sold the college football experience by no accident. So it's number three for me. I was playing it regularly up until a few years ago when I finally stopped and the news that it's potentially going to come back. Well, exciting is kind of one of those moments where it's like, yeah, this was a major part of my life, but it's so firmly before I settled down per se, Mm -hmm. it's like, it comes back into my life at this point. I feel like I'm just going to be chasing my youth and trying to relive that hope. So it is a little bit bittersweet that it's coming back. I do wonder, I do have concerns that they bring back this watered down worse version of it. And I think, I always think it's sad when, when art does that in any form. Yeah. It's higher on my list. I will not reveal where it is, but it is higher on my list. The dynasty mode was the best thing in sports video games. 
it, the by far the best. You're recruiting, you're selling the team app, you're selling the, the college atmosphere, you're selling the coaches, the ability to move from job to job and get offered jobs. And, and, and for years and years and years to like develop players and things like that. I mean, it was, you know, decide to redshirt somebody to get that hot shot five-star quarterback and decide whether to start him or sit him. I mean, all of that stuff made it such an immersive game. And then like Madden, you could also play against your friends and, you know, just pick random teams and play. And, and you're right. You mentioned the options with NBA 2K and other games, the modern games, NCAA football had that. And I, I think to me, it was, you know, to borrow from, from a legend. I think it was the granddaddy of them all. I think that it was just, it, it was such a great experience and I'll, I'll touch on a little more when we get to it uh, on my list. Let's pause for a second to make some money. Uh, number three for me is FIFA. I think that that is the way Madden is America's video game. I think FIFA is the international king of, of, of video games. I think it has turned a lot of people into soccer fans who didn't care about soccer. The game is online now. It's very heavily online. I think a lot of people, most people who play it probably play online. I think that they do need to pay attention to the manager and career modes because old school video game players like me enjoy that. But there's something about the mechanics of the game have always been good. The, uh, the gameplay is fantastic. You can dumb it down to make it more exciting, more goal scored. I think it's also a, one of those games that's really fun to play with a partner. Uh, my brother-in-law and I would play over online all the time. He'd call me once the kids were asleep and be like, Hey man, you, you want, you want to play? And I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. And just the trash talk and, and the fun. And, and I just think it's, it's a perfect game. Like uh, 2k is it's a perfect game to play online and, and, and go one-on-one with somebody. It's, it's, yeah, I think it's just one of the best that's ever been, that's ever been done. I think it continues to get better in certain ways as well. It emitted such a mood. Yeah. It, it was theatrical and cinematic and it brought you inside a far away stadium from any corner of the globe. And there was kind of like this authentic worldly film on the title that I think was incredible for them to do. If you just like looked at the art direction and the people they chose for, the cover smartly leaning into making the logos and the images super detailed and ornate and kind of like this, uh, the poetry of the game, which segues into the gameplay and the realistic nature of it, how you have to work for a goal. Yes. All the litany of different moves you can learn and master and just really being true to what soccer is. And putting those parts in the game for, you know, an international audience who appreciates the game that isn't scoring more than maybe like a, a simpleton over here at the beginning of the soccer craze, if that's still going on, it was like, it was, it was smart to leave that in the game for them and not make it too arcade. video gamey. Yes. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I agree with, I agree with FIFA. FIFA is one of those things where I was always happy to play it. I was kind of like a small doses guy. I never really loved, it's funny you mentioned, I never really liked any of the long-term goals in that game. It was kind of like get in, get out. And, and also a really interesting game to play online because during the small period where I was playing stuff online, this game really showed me what a wide variety of, of skill levels there are online and how mm-hmm. after four minutes of, uh, of game time or in like, two minutes of real time, you're just like, oh, I am outclassed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
to use the soccer term. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's heading for like nine to one or nine to zero. And you're just like blown away that someone could get so good at this game. And it spent the time figuring out how to effectively and consistently score goals against you. I thought, I thought it was just it like, it was a game where I was okay getting ruined because I was happy to see the skill level of the other person or how they had learned to play the game. So I, I would say it's, it was actually kind of like a fun game to lose or be bad at, which is, well, it also to say, but, but that's, it's all, enjoyable because it, it, yeah, it's enjoyable because it looks so good too. You can't just like force quit a game where it's like, well, this is just great. Like it's art, you know? And uh, I agree. I completely agree with you with the vast skill differences online. Like you'll show up in a, in, in a game and just be like, Oh no, like, you know, right off the bat that it, that it's over. So yeah, FIFA number three for me, I uh, it's something that I, I spent a lot of time enjoying that game, especially, you know, through college and, and post-college what's number two for you, Kyle, you got NBA jam there, right? Number two is NBA jam. Uh, some quick hitters on this. It holds up. I still got it. Still play it. My son who's six enjoys it because it's simple and he's not a sports game pl- fan, but it's very, very easy. Run around, dunk, pass, shoot the three. Uh, as basic as it can get for basketball. The shoes light up. I, I just wanted to highlight how fantastic I thought that the commentary was. The sound of the ball dribbling on the court and the squeaking of the shoes, the the crescendo of oh, as you rose up to throw a dunk down. And then when you broke the backboard, it sounded like I, I don't it's like the loudest gaffer ever had just blown out the budget on the, on the glass noise our Foley artist. I'm sorry. And it was just, it was so fun to play and so tactile and it like assaulted your senses in such a good futuristic way. It just kind of reminds me of like, I, I see that game and I think of like neon lights and like dark rooms and kind of uh, you know, that San Junipero episode of uh, black mirror, kind of like that vibe <laughs> where everything's just kind of cool in that arcade. Yeah, it's it's over the top in every sense of it, of the game that can possibly be there. But how many fans did it bring to the game? You know what I mean? Like that nature of it. And just it is the ultimate arcade video game, you know, a just ultimate like just assault you with everything it can. And in a positive way, I love, yeah, I love that game. And it's funny as I'm rethinking this, I'm like, eh, I probably should have put it higher than seven, <laughs> but um yeah, it's NBA Jam is one of the greatest of all time, for sure. If this were an arcade-only list, it would be my number one. Number two for me was EA Sports uh, NHL. Again, it, uh, it just such a great game, so well-rounded, one of the best that EA Sports has ever done, starting from the early 90s and continuing. And, I, and talking about it, I kind of want to go buy it now, the new version, and check up on it. So what is we're, we're at the big moment now. What is your number one, Kyle? My number one is RBI Baseball. And classic. It, it launched in 1987 uh, and it ran, had an eight year run with RBI, RBI 2, RBI 3, RBI, RBI 4, RBI 93, RBI 94 when it started going into Genesis. But specifically, I want to talk about RBI Baseball 3, which is my favorite video game of all time. It, it followed the 1990 season of Major League Baseball and it did have all the rights. So it had all the names, it had all the stats, it had all the teams. In addition to the 1990 rosters, it had the division champions going back to 1983. And 
That's huge for a video game at that time, by the way. It the was unbelievable. You could get everything. You could play as your favorite players. Like you could never do that before. And it was, it, you know, in the beginning of video games on, on Nintendo, it was kind of like Tengen baseball. I think it was like something where it was just like a nondescript team that was clearly like molded off the, the Japanese baseball experience from the dome to the, the grass and all that. So it was, it really kind of didn't feel like major league baseball, but once they got all the names and the teams, it was unbelievable. And I must've played this game 30,000 times against my brother and against the computer. Like I said, we would play, you have to throw a strike to put the ball in play, but you learned what parts of the bat would, would hit grounders to the opposite side. You learned that a and down gave you power. There was a power swing. There was a top swing. There was a bunting was a huge part of the game. Stealing was a big part of the game. Nobody on the game could throw the baseball. It was, remember, they threw it and it would land like halfway to the base and then skid along. It was certainly not the best gameplay, but it was all that we had. And, and the scores were analogous to real baseball. Uh, you could use a fast team like the Montreal Expos and just steal bases and bunt your way and get in pickles and, and trick people. It is just my favorite video game because it was so simple it took 15 or 20 minutes to play a game you were in and out you could play a seven game series in an hour and a half with with whoever you were there with and it was just it was just baseball it was like the simplest form of baseball that was acceptable to be fun as a video game and to me it just crystallized into that one thing yeah i loved rba baseball i think everybody did and and you're right the the realism that that it brought it was so different from current games at that time. And and as a sports junkie, that's what I wanted. I wanted to feel like I was actually playing baseball with my favorite players, you know? And so when it finally brought that to the game and had all those classic rosters too, I used to play the classic rosters, the division champions, you know? And uh, I, I just thought that it got, it was so good. It was so good. And you look at MLB, the show now, which is the big baseball video game, and it doesn't exist without RBA baseball and without the development of those games early on. And so I, uh, yeah, it's a great one, man. That's a great pick. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of lamenting leaving it off my list because I think it is such a great pick. What for you separated it from other baseball games that you played? Like what was the one thing that separated it for you? Equity of experience. I mean, it became the thing that I played the most, uh, it became my video game it, for a while. It was kind of like, you know, how Southerners say Coke for every pop. Uh, when I said uh, to play a video game was to play RBA Baseball 3. It was synonymous. There was no other option. And it was like, you just, we had so many hours into it that it was just our game. So it was like familiarity of this is the baseball game. Like there's no interest in getting a new, like in a way it kind of spoiled the new because if there was something in a new game that I wouldn't like, I would always wonder, well, why don't I just go back to the game that I know that I like? And I know that that doesn't sound very adventurous, uh, but I guess we've established earlier by only playing sports games, I'm not looking for a wide variety of experience when it comes to video games. And that is really fascinating to kind of have that uh, realization live in the moment I, I, because it is something I explore in almost every other aspect of my life. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, why deviate from the thing that makes you happy? 
You know, I mean, I've always wondered that. Like people always, I'm a guy who, if I like a certain dish at a restaurant, when I go to that restaurant, I'm getting that. That's what I want. You know, that's what I like there. You might try something new once in a while, but if I know that's what I want and that's what I'm craving, why try something else? So I totally get that. I a hundred percent get not wanting to, you know, branch out if that's the thing that makes you happy and that's what you enjoy. All right. The big moment, your number one. It's EA Sports NCAA football. And, and we touched on it earlier, but as I said, it's a granddaddy of them all. I just felt like the experience from top to bottom was better than any other video game. And, and again, you could play single games. You could play, you know, the, you, you had those rivalry moments that they would put in there where you could play Florida, Florida State or classic games even they had where it was like, okay, you're Florida. This is from 1993 and you're down seven against Florida State. I'm just making that up. But, you know, you, and can you come back and win and, and stuff like that? And all those challenges, but then there was the dynasty mode and dynasty mode, as I said earlier, was the best thing in sports video games. It was the most immersive. You got everything. You got to do everything a real college football program does from top to bottom. They even had like sanctions in there for a while that I think the NCAA asked them to take out because you could get on probation if your players would get arrested or or things like that, or academically you weren't up to par. And I think that they had to sort of dial back the realism on that a little bit. But it was just, it was such a time waster. And in college, uh, we would play and then you'd look up and it'd be 4 a.m. and it'd be like, oh, I've got a class in five hours. You know, I, it just, it was such a college game for us and, and was such an immersive experience. And I, I really loved that game. I'm happy to hear they're coming back. I don't know if I'll have time for it now. You know, I mean, like you, I mean, we're adults now. I don't know if I have, if I have the time to put in on it. But it's certainly something that that uh, has been missed tremendously and uh, and was such a fun thing. And I know you feel the same way. And what a testament to EA Sports for getting it right from the very beginning. Because if you looked at some of the other games that we have on our list in their comparative sports, uh, there was a lot of imitators and there was a lot of trial balloons that didn't work. I think we can all remember... 19 basketball games that were no good or six baseball games that were terrible um, or, or a lot of professional football imitators like quarterback club or whatever you wanted to, you know, Joe Montana's football. NFL PA had a game, you know, all that stuff like John Elway, like every quarterback kind of had their own game for a while and there was a ton of failure, but I certainly don't remember many knockoff or, or imposter versions of the college football game outside of a few. But once EA sports came in, it was just like, we got this, like it blew away any type of competition. And there was never a thought given to like, we want to compete with these people head to head. So I think by that aspect of just kind of like coming out of the gate and nailing it and creating a product now that we're still, so many of us are still salivating for like, what a testament. What a testament to do what they did. I know that they didn't go out on the terms they would have liked to go out, but in a way it's sort of like a Barry Sanders, uh, Calvin Johnson thing where you retire at your apex and you're like, I wish we could have had more of this, uh, of this, of this thing in its prime. So I got no qualms with number one there. And I don't have any, obviously I think it's interesting to see how you came about making your choices, but maybe the thing to say is, At any point of our lives, no matter what we were doing, no matter how busy we were, I think it's a fair assessment to say if someone came to us and and showed us any of these games on the list and said, look, I have this in the next room, let's go, let's go game. 
we would drop almost anything that we were doing and like, this is the greatest thing that could have happened. Like, is it going to be pizza in there too? Like, am I dreaming? <laughs> like all of these, not let's order some. <laughs> all, yes, absolutely. All these games were like, yes, like they are surefire hall of famers for me having a good time. And you know, like, it's funny. You said when you were looking at him, you're like, now I kind of want to get it or I want to play it. I had that same feeling, just like saying the names and like looking back for this, I went back and I watched a lot of like gameplay uh, especially for Mario golf, because it'd been the longest since I played that. And the more I watched someone else play it, I was thinking I got to get on this. Like <laughs> I need to do it right now. And it's so funny uh, that I feel like those, they still kind of have like an addictive hold on you uh, when you start to go down, especially, and that's probably tied up a little bit with all the nostalgia we have for the good times we've had playing the games. I played a half hour of Tecmo Super Bowl last night. Like just, I, I had to, I had to reconnect with it. I, I just think that you're right. There's some nostalgic hold, but I think at the same time is that when something's entertaining, it's entertaining. It's the reason why people watch the office over and over and over and over again. It's just, if you enjoy it and it's entertaining to you, why not? Like I, I, I have no problem with that. And I, and I think that there is this pull to like be on to the next thing in society. And I, I understand that we're very like moving a society that loves to move forward. But if there's things that make you happy, as I said, why not stick with them and, and, and use them? I mean, I know that obviously if you've got other things going on in your life, you're not going to be able to invest time in that, but it is, it is crazy to look back at these and look back at the nostalgia and look back at just the hours, the hours of my life spent with these. And I look back at it and it's not like, wow, that was wasted time. I look back at it and I was like, yeah, it was fun, you know? And, and, you know, you got something out of it and it's the communal aspect as well, you know, in some cases, and in some cases it's your individual pursuit of a championship in a video game um all of them so great and and from top to bottom i think this is a great list for both of us but you're exactly right when it it doesn't these don't feel like time wasters in a way other things you did to to take time away from your day did because even now i'll tell you i would much prefer to play a video game with my son hopefully a sports game with my son than him watch something on his iPad because it's a communal experience. We're at least doing something together. And I at least feel like his brain is engaged in a way of like taking the role of the character in the game. He's not sitting there passively, just having his senses bombarded. He's at least being like an active agent in it. So in a way it does feel more productive. It does feel like it, it improved, you know, it improved your hand-eye coordination and little things like that. I mean, obviously it wasn't the best thing that we did for ourselves, but I do feel, I do feel like there was some, like it was, it's not like sitting and just mindlessly watching television. If you're not thinking critically, you had to think critically to play video games, especially sports video games, because so much of it dealt with knowing the game and knowing how to uh, apply the strategy of the game to the, to the video game thing. And that's another thing too, to maybe to touch on as we close here is, all these games gave people a chance to be experts and to show their expertise yeah. managing a team. And in the biggest way that it, that it manifested was for operating and calling plays in a football game, right? From and to learn the playbook, learn the defenses, you know, weaknesses, your strengths, all of that problem solving. And absolutely. And that's a huge reason why people started learning it. And it's responsible for people at home knowing the game, like, like the actual players and coaches, because they had to learn it for these video games. But I think being able to transport yourself into a world where I don't know if you had the perspective of you were the player who was playing, you were controlling the player that was there, or you were 
the manager of this team. Was there a certain way you approached your video game playing? Almost all three, almost, almost the whole thing. You know, I felt like, you know, you're the coach and you're the quarterback. You know, I, I think that there was that aspect of it. You know, when I would play uh, like EA sports, like hockey, you could create your own player. And so I would be my player, you know, in that, but in, in things like, like Madden and, and college football, I feel like it was a lot of, you are both the coach and the players, you know, if you're, if you're doing it. And so I, I did think that it's a weird dichotomy. I don't know if I ever singled out as one. What about you? I think you're right when it was all three and the game and the situation dictated uh, what, what you're doing. I think the least, the least popular thing for me was to envision. I was like the running back or the yeah. person shooting the ball. I always kind of felt as more of like a sovereign governor of these avatars that I was like forcing them to do things. But you were the also, conductor. Yes. So I, I did kind of like take that from like a management style and not the actual, like I'm this person. But then again, that might've changed with something with like Tony Hawk. It's hard not to feel like you are that person. Cause you're along there with the camera. So much of it depends on, I guess, on the camera view too. Yeah, that's, that's fair. By the way, before we get out, I want to say Everybody should go listen to the second episode of Kyle's podcast, Kyle Coster show. It's about video games and specifically college football and, and our connection to it. And uh, a really bad day that one of his friends had. Thank Thanks to Jacob Hester's avatar self. I, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Kyle I thought it was a really good examination of exactly what we're talking about today. Speak and and as we go there, you can subscribe to Kyle's podcast, the Kyle Costa Show, wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are found. Uh, our thanks to producer Sean Daly for his tire, tireless work. Uh, thanks, Kyle. This was this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this trip down memory lane big time. Yeah, thank you. And I would just say in closing, you know, obviously like and subscribe us as as well. But I, I'm having a good time with this podcast and the episodes we've done to just lean into like all these positive moments. It's really, it's really been like a nice palate cleanser to go look, you know, go through some mental files and be like, you know what I like the best are these things or these are really fantastic because the exercise of looking into it, like there's so many things on our list that, that uh, so many things that didn't appear on our list that we saw like looking into this that made me happy. So I, I guess I would, I would, I would just say for, for the next one, when you see the topic, it might be an interesting idea to go ahead and mentally come up with your own list and approach it that way, because you do find so much on your own time uh, that, that you wouldn't distill down to a conversation that just showed your, your top ones. I agree. And I think that the, even the ones that looking at some of the ones that I left off of my list while researching this brought back a lot of positive memories that they didn't fit in my top seven, but they certainly uh, brought something else out in me that, you know, remembering uh, a lot of good times. So everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Stay tuned to the big lead for all the latest in sports. And we will be back again with another episode where we will count down the top seven of something. We'll let you know what it is. Thanks. Thanks.